Are we? What's going on, guys? It's Mohammed, the host of Aware Alpha, and welcome to episode 77. Guys, ladies, I'm excited, fired up, and grateful as usual. You know, some days, you know, you look at the world and the things that's happening in the world, it's hard not to be grateful. And myself being somebody that practices gratitude on a daily basis, I am just super grateful. Some days it's crazy to think back that last year, this time, there was like, you know, maybe a couple of listeners to the podcast. And for me, I was simply just sharing what was on my heart, uh, what was on my mind and the journey that I was taking through healing and the things that I was doing. And last couple of months, as I've started to bring guests onto the show, it's been amazing to talk to individuals that are maybe on the same journey as me, uh, might have been on the same journey as me a long time ago, and now they're sharing their perspective on how they went through this. And today is just another special day. I have somebody very special on the show today. As I was looking through his Instagram the last couple of weeks, it was just for me, my heart was already fully admitted the decision that I'm definitely going to bring this individual onto the show. And I'm going to say a little about him uh, just to, for you guys to get a perspective of who he is. So he goes by the name of Paul Spinelli. And I'm just going to tell you, read a little bit about him before I bring him onto the show. So Paul Spinelli believes that we all seek security, safety, and connection. After overcoming adverse childhood trauma and unhealthy relationships, including heartbreak and loss, he drove headfast into healing journey to discover who he truly is. That journey brought increasing wisdom and lessons for finding self-love and self-worth. He enjoys storytelling and writing about healthy and unhealthy relationships and their impact on our mental, emotional, and physical well-being. He believes in loving ourselves first, that all relationships reflect self-worth and self-love. Today, Paul pays forward these lessons as a life coach, writer, and an advocate. He's also pursuing his, I think his master's in marriage and family therapy, and will be launching his first book soon. So with that being said, welcome to the podcast, Paul. Hey, yeah, thanks, Mohammed. I'm excited to be here. I have a question right off the top of my head as I was, you know, just thinking right now is what is your definition of an unhealthy relationship and a healthy relationship? What does that look like for you? Oh, you're coming out of the gate with that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a a fantastic question Um, because I think so many of us don't even recognize that we experienced something that was unhealthy for ourselves Mm. until, you know, sometimes years later. And uh, I think it's really important to have awareness around that. And, and this is also just my lens, right? So I think it is a little different um, for each of us, especially because I truly believe that we all, we all love differently. We all have different relationship needs. Mm. And there's many different types of relationships out there, right? Um, so uh, defining a healthy relationship, I think, is a bit more complex. Mm. But if we were to really make it simple, mm. uh, I would say that you would want to be in a relationship where someone's creating a safe space where you're able to be seen, where you're able to be heard, mm. where, you know, your perspective matters. Yeah. Are they trying to listen um, to you because they want to change you or use your words against you? Mm. Or are they trying to listen to you because there's a genuine desire um, and, and level of authentic authenticity mm. where they want to, they want to study your scars 
right? They genuinely want to know what your triggers are. Yeah. Um, they want to know what your experiences are and how those experiences shape the individual that they're sitting across from. So I think that's a healthy relationship. And I think we complicate it by attaching the word love to it. Mm. And an unhealthy relationship is a little bit of what I shared in there, but it's also, you know, it, it could be emotionally, physically, mentally unhealthy. Um, it's usually manipulative. Yeah. It's usually walking on eggshells. I always, I always like to show that our body recognizes where we are in an unhealthy relationship long before our mind and heart do, right? That anxiety, yeah. that nervousness. And sometimes that happens on, on the first date. We anticipate or interpret that as butterflies in our stomach. And really that's our body recognizing that someone uh, who is in close proximity is, is, is a bit triggered, right? Yeah. Um, and a relationship that lacks reciprocity. Mm. that that is the biggest indicator so if you're in a relationship where you feel like you're giving more than you're receiving mm. you're probably in an unhealthy relationship mm. that's so good you said something about studying you're somebody that's interested in studying your scars uh, i love that that's something i have never heard before and you nailed it you know a healthy relationship is you know being heard seen understood and listened to and someone that holds space for you right now that all sounds great, right? The thing is, though, that if I grew up in a family, in a very dysfunctional family, which most of the listeners know I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. And so if I grew up in a dysfunctional family, never really witnessed a healthy relationship. I'm 31 now when I grew up, let's say, same thing, never really witnessed a healthy relationship. And all of a sudden, I get in a healthy relationship with someone that's making me feel heard, seen, understood, all the stuff like that. But because I don't know what that feels like, I'm just totally shut off, probably turned off, probably think this is boring and kind of just go the opposite way. So now what does one need to do to be able to realize and understand that they're in a healthy relationship? Like how do I, me being growing up in a very, never witnessed a healthy relationship, how am I, how am I supposed to like know when I'm in a healthy relationship? Like, because I'm, tr I'm probably triggered when I first start to you know, get in there. Right. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I love the question, Mohammed. Um, and, and Dan, listen, like who, who hasn't experienced trauma in childhood? Right. Yeah. I, uh, I had a therapist once tell me that that was the role and responsibility of every parent traumatize their child <laughs> right <laughs> so um and i'm a i'm a single dad i'm a father myself of two kids mm. it's always at the for you know forefront of my mind because mm -hmm. uh, you know what what am i doing or not doing that may be um you know correlative to traumatic experience for them because yeah. trauma i think when we hear the word trauma mm. a lot of people want to associate that to, to, to something of significance mm. something that's lasting right? You know, was he physically or she physically abusive? You know, or uh, were, were you in the military where you experienced something absolutely horrific? Mm. Uh, you know, and, and if not, then you don't deserve the right to say that you have trauma, right? Mm. Your parents, your parents didn't kick you out of the house at seven. They didn't lock yeah. you in a basement. Mm. Um, and so I think we sort of uh, really misconstrue what trauma is. Mm. And so the first step, is really identifying and understanding and recognizing where and when those traumatic events occurred mm. in your life as far back as you can go. Okay. And understanding those and studying those can then help to put together the puzzle mm. of who makes Muhammad today mm. and what's in that puzzle, right? Because we all have 
we're all, we're all beautiful pieces of a puzzle that gets ripped and torn and it's got jagged edges and we try to put one piece in a section where it doesn't belong mm. right and and that's life that's us that, that's the beauty of life is all of us are just doing the best that we can and, and there's a lot of missteps and mm. um yeah so you want to really understand the trauma you want to put it together you can do that with a coach with uh you know a really great therapist and get intentional on the type of therapy uh this last summer i spent 17 sessions in what's called EMDR, um, which which takes a look at traumatic experiences and sort of remaps them in the brain. Mm. So, yeah, so there's a, there's a ton of beautiful modalities that can offer support, um, but that that's the biggest thing I think is recognizing when and where it occurred, mm. what meaning you attach to it, mm. and is it something that you seek? Mm. You know, for me, yeah. I was taught that love is chaos. And so you hit the nail on the head, right? So I was very drawn to emotionally unavailable partners. Mm. I was very, and, and I felt safe in that because I was able to give more than I was receiving. Yeah. That was always okay. That was my pattern. That was normal, right? Um, I was always attached uh, and, and attracted to partners who were very volatile, right? There was a lot of high uh, EQ. Everything was hot and cold, one foot in, one foot out. Mm. lots of uncertainty and so I loved into that right thinking that my love would be enough mm. but I had to really really reconstruct all of those thoughts and all of those narratives that were were planted here as a child mm. and rebuild that blueprint and it requires the ability to go backwards before you can go forwards. interesting you know the it's just crazy like what you said is so true that you know at the end of the day, the thought that comes to my mind, I like to really like, it's interesting. Sometimes I'm thinking something while my heart is like thinking something else. And I'm like, which, which one should I express? And the thought that comes to my mind right now is, so when I started my healing journey in the last five years, uh, I went to a 10 day silent meditation retreat. And after that, it just kind of just opened me up. Right. And it's uh, therapy, you know, a lot of just work. And I went through a whole year where I just literally through my meditation, I just cried. I would be crying for an hour, two hours and just like letting it out. And I was well aware enough that this is repressed emotions being expressed or it's my inner child wanting to talk to me. So I was I was able to express and just let it out. I was never shy of it. Right. But at the same time, at one point I was I as I was going back in my childhood, I realized that um, when I was about five, I, I, I was I started to cry and actually, my sister told me this and my dad was like, just like slapped me and told me men don't cry. And my yeah. older sister is like, I never seen you cry again until then, like from when I was five to where I'm 31, where in the last couple of years I've gone through just right. So the thing that comes to my mind is how normal is it to cry and how OK is it to cry? Because a lot of men are raised to like, it's not OK. Like it's not manly and nothing good about it. But yet the most masculine, most aware, most successful, most happiest men that I know are ones that will tell you, express your emotions, cry if you have to. I have a band of brothers around you that are willing to hug you and hold you and hold space for you for those times, right? So I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on crying and how okay is it? Or like just, I'm just really curious to hear because a lot of guys that listen to this podcast I talk about crying and expressing your emotions and all these things and how masculine and how embodied it makes you if you're expressing yourself in those, comparing to if you're not expressing it and you're suppressing those emotions. Yeah, beautiful, man. 
Um, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm honored that you asked this question because this is very correlative to a topic that's near and dear to my heart, mm. um, which is this, this, um, uh, this very complicated understanding of what, what makes toxic masculinity. Mm. And uh, you mentioned you're 31, Mohammed. Yeah, 31. Yeah, 31. So I, I had, uh, I, I just turned 38 uh, at the close of this year. Awesome. Um, and uh, this past year, rather. Um, and uh, what I found at this stage of life, and I don't know, you might be a little too, too early into it being just 31. What I found at this stage of life is the dating pool um, becomes very complicated, right? Mm -hmm. You there, There's lots of um, individuals who are through divorce or are still in right, the, the divorce process, the separation process from, right. from a court perspective, right? Um, and then it's a question of if they have kids and if they don't have kids, they either want to rush that or they definitively don't, right? There's a lot of firm no's, a lot of black and white, a lot of firm boundaries that are brought. And there's a lot of um, uh, previous stories that, that come into this life that didn't exist at, at 21 or 28, right? You know, you could still dream big. You could still think about the wedding and the kids, you know, maybe one day we'll have kids in five years. Mm. But, you know, at this stage, all of those uh, thoughts have already been decided, right? And so what, I, what I'm finding is, especially for men, there's a lot of coaches out there that are uh, very insistent mm. that, that what makes masculine frame uh, it is a secure man and a secure man doesn't ever communicate their emotions right mm. a secure man doesn't ever give too much away mm. a secure man constantly keeps the woman guessing right a secure man is never going to tell the woman that they that they cried while they were meditating right because that's not a secure man yeah. uh, and in my head i'm like oh my gosh like those voices stop they need to silence that's what's contributing to this narrative of, of toxic masculinity it's actually precipitous to you uh, you know, causation mm. and uh, a compound effect mm. because the reality is all of us have emotion. All of us. Yeah. Emotion does not know pronoun. Mm -hmm. Emotion is not assigned, you know, based on gender at birth. Mm. It's not. It, it doesn't change when we ebb and flow through life and decide we're something, uh, you know, other than, right? Mm. We all have fear. And what's part of fear? Anger right? We all have sadness. We all have joy. And so if we suppress one of those emotions, what, what will happen is something very similar to what you experience is when they do finally release, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's very eruptive, right? It's like shaking, shaking a can of soda and then opening it. Like a volcano. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, I, I really love and admire that you, in your healing journey, you've reconnected with that emotion. It's a beautiful emotion. It serves a purpose. Sure. One of the things I share with uh, a lot of individuals who will always ask, especially those who are experiencing a massive amount of sadness and heartbreak and loss, uh, will always say like, you know, I just wish I wasn't so sad. Mm -hmm. I'll always say, just embrace it. Mm -hmm. Let it flow through you because that sadness is there to serve a purpose mm -hmm. and where that balance is where that fine line is of when it's no longer serving a purpose mm -hmm. i would say is when it starts consuming your entire being when yeah. you can't experience any other emotion and when you can't function 
Mm-hmm. And that's a part of the grieving process. So, so that will happen, whether it's a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months of any significant loss, we often will get paralyzed, right? Returning to work will feel like an out-of-body experience. Talking to friends will always be midnight phone calls with lots of sadness and tears, right? Mm-hmm. So the joy will disappear for a while. But as long as that joy shows up again at some point, whether we find ourselves singing in the shower or laughing at a friend's joke, right? Or just smiling because we just enjoyed a really good cup of coffee and we finally remember what that feels like and tastes like, mm-hmm. then, then there's no concern on, on you being sad up to that point. Mm, so very well said. I'm curious, uh, tell us a little about pretty much your story, you know, make it uh, just childhood, you know, last you know, you said you're 38, right? So it's just like you are talking about self-love, you know, self-worth, how important it is, healing journey and all these things, which is very common for a, a woman these days, an online coach. That's a woman that talked about it. It's very normal because yeah, it's a, it's a woman, but like to find guys that are talking about self-love, self-worth, uh, you know, the importance of communication skills and relationships and how important the relationship with ourselves is because that is the foundational relationship right so like how did paul get here uh, um how much time do we have now <laughs> <laughs> so we make it as condensed as you know as possible here <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say this will have to be a series um how did i get here uh you know there there were definitely some significant events that occurred in childhood um uh, my dad, uh, my dad w- was an individual that was uh, very assertive, very authoritative, right? It was his way or the highway, kind of, kind of methods similar to your dad. He wouldn't necessarily hit me and say, "Boys, don't cry," but there was a lot of shaming. Um, mm. I definitely never felt safe to cry in front of him, mm. you know. And it was very uh, um, an, uh, a labor of love. Right, that was the way to my dad's heart. It's kind of what did you do for me today? Yeah. Um, and then it was never good enough because he is a master perfectionist, mm. right? So I could have like waxed his vehicle with a toothbrush and the finest wax possible mm. for 18 hours, right? And it would and he would just come out and be like, Well, you missed a spot, mm. and then walk away. And that would be it, right? Yeah. And so it it really planted seeds of doubt, planted shame. Um, and, and he was, uh, and, you know, physically and, and emotionally neglectful and, and abusive as well. Mm. Um, and so that was really tough, especially uh, hitting that stage of teenage years, mm. right? Where I'm trying to now figure out, well, who is Paul, right? Mm. What, what do I like? What do I not like, right? How do I pursue someone I find attractive? Um, how do I answer what do you want to be when you grow up right Mm -hmm. that seems to be a question a lot of kids get asked in high school um and then I had a mom who uh you know because my dad very much required uh sort of acts of service I had had a mom who was always in a state of busyness always in a state of serving others Mm -hmm. Um, and that was always um was always a very anxious state for her and it just radiated out right so we were always late it was never enough right um and uh because of that she struggles with being present um and so that dynamic really taught me that emotional avoidance was a thing that dynamic taught me 
um, because I'd never really heard, you know, hey, it's okay to cry. I never really got hugged when I was sad. Mm -hmm. I never really uh, got hugged and 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 heard, hey, great job. I'm so proud of you, mm -hmm. right? So I had to learn all that through my peers. Um, and then in eighth grade, I was sexually assaulted. Uh, and then high school was high school. There was a lot of uh, um, complicated things that continued, right? Uh, my freshman year was the infamous Y2K, Right. So I'm, I'm coming out of this sort of this sexual assault uh, from an older male mm. trying to figure out. Right. And, and hiding in the hallways of high school because he's there. Mm. Um, and then and then we hit freshman year of high school where uh, it's touted by everyone that computers are going to fail to recognize the year 2000. ATM machines are not going to work. Right. The world's going to shut down and go mm. black as we know it. Uh, and so that was sort of, and my birthday is on December 29th, right? And so I just remember as I'm turning 14, just laying in the bottom bunk of my bed, praying to God to, to just make this go away, right? Like if he would just save us, I promised that I would, I would do good. And, and, you know, maybe he could just give me a family of my own one day and I could show him, you know, um, that, uh, that I could change this experience that I had, right? Um, and then junior year of high school, I was in an automobile accident where I was legally blind in my left eye. Mm. Um, that vision has since returned. Um, but, and then senior year was 9-11, right? Mm. And so I had five years in addition to the family system uh, or my parents, right? I had five consecutive years uh, that are very formative years for for anyone yeah. that just continued to pound me in the sand and, and, encouraged me to believe that nothing good is everlasting mm. nothing is ever safe uh and that the world could end at any moment and yeah. so when it didn't uh i then became very rebellious and just thought i'm going to live every moment as if the world is going to end because tomorrow's not promised yeah and so my 20s were um very selfish and pretty destructive mm. uh and there was um two significant adult relationships one of them uh, being mother of my kids that lasted six years. Okay. Uh, and when that ended, I found myself at 33, 33, 34 for the first time ever, um, sitting down in a therapist's couch. Mm -hmm. And that was really where my healing journey fully started. Mm -hmm. um, looking at all of those experiences, um, I joined, similar to what you shared, I joined you know, men's groups and weekend retreats. I went to Sedona for a spiritual experience. Mm. Uh, I've done, you know, Native American sweat lodges, mm. um, constantly trying to figure out meditation, failing, mm. read tons of books. Uh, and I was working in my undergrad in psych at the time. Mm. And so everything um, that I was pursuing, uh, you know, was really focused on, on growth yeah uh, looking in the mirror mm. and i came out of that experience um two years and a month later mm. and i sat down uh on a date and i thought i met the one it was six plus hours we shut down a restaurant mm. um you talk about lightning in a bottle and chemistry oh my gosh that was the most uh magnetic experience of my life mm. and, uh, it ended as quick as it as it started and mm. it was a brush fire it just until it was gone and mm. she was gone mm -hmm. um 
that was about six and a half months and uh yeah and it just built very quick and ended very quick and um the way in which it ended caused me to really hang on longer than I should have I could not understand how to let go um I had posted today on my Instagram something about right not understanding how to let go and uh that was one of the thoughts, you know, I just, I just couldn't figure out how do, how do you let go of someone you love, really, right? Um, and so I'm very blessed and grateful that that experience was sort of the final domino um, to keep me in therapy, put me into um, trauma therapy, which is where the EMDR work came in, mm-hmm. really look at all that, uh, all the trauma and boxes and, and adverse experiences I had in childhood, and you don't often share with a talk therapist, especially yeah. when you come and say, hey, mother of my kids and I are separated, right? And I'm really sad. And that becomes really sort of the topic at hand. It's very yeah. rare that, that a therapist is going to go, well, tell me about your childhood, right? Mm-hmm. And so I thought I had healed. I thought I reached this place of healed when I started that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, the timing too, right? The intentionality, all the men's work and workshops and spiritual retreats, mm-hmm. um, and then when, when that relationship ended, I realized there's no such thing as healed. Mm. And the work is only as good as we, we um, as our level of our, as our level of vulnerability is. Mm. And uh, yeah, I, I just pursued every, every box in my basement, man, and mm. wanted to really dig in and figure out what was creating these patterns. So your opening question, I was, I was there a year ago. Mm. Um yeah amazing i just want to say first of all thank you so much for sharing that that was uh super beautiful to hear and just to witness you know what paul went through and where you are today a question so what when you said you start therapy so what was it like um your decision or was it like where it was suggested for you by your peers and your family and close people in your life where you're like maybe you know what it's time for you to go into therapy and kind of figure out yourself out more or was it yourself where you got to a point where you're like I just have a lot of things that no one else can help me with I think the therapist would be one to maybe give me some awareness on why I am where I am so how did how did that happen yeah good question um it definitely was not uh it was not friends um uh and it was not family my dad actually said that he thinks therapists are quacks and uh I remember looking at him and saying, you do realize that's what I'm in school for, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's what I'm pursuing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it wasn't actually, it was uh, initially it was out of selfishness. So um, when the mother of my boys and I split, we had attempted couples therapy. I think we did, gosh, like maybe five sessions four or five sessions, which I think if I remember correctly, reading a stat, like four to six sessions is the make or break. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like right there and, uh, and it broke. And so uh, selfishly, I had pursued it um, with the thought that, Hey, I'm going to show her, right. Mm-hmm. That I'm, I'm willing to do this work mm-hmm. and I'm going to change for her. Mm-hmm. And so she'll want me back. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, and, and that turned into, uh, uh, I still meet with that individual t- uh, to this day. Mm. Um, so that turned into really exploring a lot of things. Mm. Uh, but that was the initial driver. And then I found um, that in that experience, I became very communicative, especially for the first probably year or so. Mm. Whenever someone would say, what's up? Um, 
I, I was often triggered and I would cry. Mm. And, uh, and so I would tell them, you know, that so-and-so and I split up, yeah. you know, I'm not really sure what it's going to look like to be a father. I'm not really sure how often I'm going to get to see my kid. Mm. Um, and uh, even to random strangers, you know, like it, I just vulnerably rip the bandaid off in any captive audience I had, I would share. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was both a little healing, but it was also, uh, it was my first experience in realizing that there is, there is a responsibility to normalize this work. Mm. You know, there's a responsibility to reach out to our friends, our family members and say, you know, when they ask what's, what's up, what's new, how are you to say, Hey, right. I just had this amazing session in therapy. Um, mm. Cause I think that, especially for men, right? Women are, are more eager and, and more courageous to pursue uh, a therapist. Than, uh, and I think more we as men can, can have that conscious conversation, right? And say, hey, right, this is, this is the event that occurred. This is how I responded. And, and I freaking love it. This is yeah. where it's helping me, right? This is how it's helping me heal help, and helping me grow. Um, because universally, we all have stuff we've experienced and we can mm-hmm. all benefit someone creating that safe space for us and chances are if the reason why you're sad or you're hurting and you're struggling to let go if if any of that is correlative to a relationship ending you now no longer have that safe space and Mm -hmm. that safe person even if they weren't right because the perception was there Mm -hmm. and so there's there's now an even greater need to get yourself therapy and sit down because that therapist is your greatest advocate yes no, it's so true. I actually, I'm a big fan of, you know, brotherhood and having good men in your life that can hold space for you. And I'm very grateful for that. You know, I have, you know, an amazing, amazing inner circle that's been along the way. But at the same time, I have consciously put the time into these relationships. I have given into these relationships, right? So it's like, vice versa right and i actually host a men's circle every two weeks where i do so i have you know from 60 year olds to 25 year olds come and it's interesting as i hold space for these different types of men and i start to witness how important it is to have that brotherhood to be able to share it and what's going on uh in your heart and your mind and everything that's going on right it's just it's sharing is therapeutic you know like share just sharing is therapeutic all on its own um so you started to do this work now like if someone wants to you know call you or ask you or we were sitting in a conversation and I'm like Paul just got out of this relationship or you know I've just been crying lately or I'm emotionally something is wrong like I just what would be some practical things you would get someone to do to start to heal their childhood trauma yeah that's a beautiful question thank you Um, yeah uh i would the first thing oh god so it really it's so based on the individual first Mm -hmm. off right because we are all at such a different place Mm -hmm. and and the type of relationship we experience is also going to really determine um our experience right Mm -hmm. Um, but if I would have to say, you know, is there sort of like a, a strategy or a formula? Um, so, some of it include, I, the first thing is I really want the individual to feel seen and heard. I want them to share. You know, I want them to tell me, hey, I was up last night staring at every single photo of my ex, even though I told you last week I deleted them. 
Yeah. Like I, I want that level of vulnerability mm. because if we don't have trust, um, they don't feel safe enough uh, to let me know when they're experiencing those moments of limerence, those moments, mm. moments of, um, uh, you know, really kind of dancing in their past. Um, mm. And uh, we can't move forward. Mm. Right. And so it's okay to ruminate. We all do it. We mm. all do it. Um, so that would be the first thing is, is really sort of assessing the individual. Some, some strategies or tools or tips um, uh, is being intentional with communication, right? So like, we'll, we'll I'll always set a boundary of, hey, if you want to text your ex, you know, text me first. Mm. I'm, I'm, and I'm never going to tell you, uh, well, maybe not never. Once again, this depends on the individual, right? Mm. Um, I might not tell, I, I may most likely will not tell you to not send it, right? Mm. But I think sometimes we need that initial dopamine to know that we can type something and hit send. Mm. And then when we revisit it later on in the day, there's usually a lot less emotion attached to it or the, the desire changes, right? Um, so, so view me as sort of that person. Second is write, write as much as you can or as little as you can, mm. right? I'm not gonna tell you to journal every day, if you do journal every day, that's fantastic. If you don't, that you know, there's other ways to heal. But journaling is a great way to get the thoughts on the paper. It's a great way to start recognizing when you're experiencing a certain emotion. Mm. Um, you know, what time of day? What were you doing? Where were you at? Right? What were you thinking? What were you looking at? Mm. Um, so we can help each other uh, unpack and uncover those patterns, those trends, right? Mm. Uh, and then the third thing is really looking at that person's lifestyles, right? Are, are they sitting on the couch, you know, going through tubs of ice cream and Grubhub and watching romantic comedies and still pawning over their ex as they stare into their phone and look at every text message sent three months later? Like, we probably need to change something, right? So um, I love a body in motion creates motion, right? Yeah. So, Let's look at your lifestyle. Let's look at your habits. I'm not going to tell you that, you know, I'm going to help you get a six pack in, in 90 days, right? And then your ex is going to want you back. Mm. But if we could get you up off the couch, if we get you moving, go outside, go on a walk. Mm. It doesn't have to be anything intense. For me, um, I love to CrossFit. So a minimum of four days a week, that's part of my therapy mm. because I believe it's a healthy mind, body, and soul. Mm. Um, and those are the three modalities that I look at when, when serving others and coaching others. Nice. That's awesome. I love that you like the, the first one that you shared that, you know, just really someone comes to me. It's like, how, like, uh, where do I start? How do I start healing this childhood trauma is actually listening to them, you know, like just finding out where they are, how they got here. And that actually builds some trust uh, with that individual as well. Like you're able to just actually help that person, right? Uh, by just simply listening and finding out what they're going through. And in the second thing you mentioned, which was journaling and I'm so uh, grateful when I do these interviews and when I hear answers that I do myself already implement in my day-to-day -day life. And I'm all like, yes, I'm on the right track. Uh, <laughs> I've been journaling for, uh, for five, six years and I do different journaling, even through my coaching, I call it uh, compassionate journaling. So mm -hmm. I have a gratitude journal. I have a, where I write my ideas journal and I have a journal where I literally just journal my life. Like, like today, like before this podcast, I wrote down like 12, it's 12 30 year, right? It was 12 25 about to jump on a podcast with Paul, you know, feeling super grateful. So like I can go back 
from 2016, open a journal and literally find out what I was doing that day, that day, that time. And it's been beautiful because one of the things that I'm a big, I'm um, fascinated with is self-reflection. And, and I feel like a lot of people don't do enough self-reflection, you know, self-reflect on an idea, self-reflect on a date, self-reflect on last year and really sit with yourself and just reflect on that, what happened, what went wrong, what did I learn, you know, and it's interesting on my own personal journey, self-reflection actually always just makes me more grateful because I look back to where I was and where I am. It's just hard not to be grateful for the journey that I've been on myself and so, yeah, journaling, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive, massive uh, advocate for journaling, I would say, because, yeah, like it's, it's just it's so therapeutic to grab a journal and just sit there and just write, you know, you know, and it's interesting, actually, right now, like as we're talking, journal number one, <laughs> journal number two, and I have <laughs> one over there and I have one on my desk here. But like I'd say, like I journal a lot because and it's interesting as I've started to do these things. I call them superpowers now because whenever I'm off, whenever I'm not feeling like I journal, I sit for an hour and meditate. I take a long bath and I call them my superpowers because like, boom, I feel right. Amazing, better, good every time. So it's like, how could I not use my own superpowers? You know what I mean? Like these are like, yeah. so, cause I, and I, I, I like that because I try to romanticize my experiences through the words that I speak. So if I'm like, Oh, I'm feeling off. Like I got to do some journaling. Like I got to do some meditation. No, no, no. Like I look at it as if I'm like, yo, I should do some journaling. Like you know what that does to me, right? I should sit for an hour of meditation. Like you know what that does to me, right? Because I know every time I come out of it, I feel much better. So I have turned that like the perspective of like, no, it's like I you know I um I also work out and all those things. But it's like I remember way back in the day where I'm like, oh, working out. Like I got to do working out. No, now it's like. Oh, I'm gonna go work out because I know how good I feel when I'm done the workout, right? So yeah, no, I love that you shared that about journaling, everything like that. Um, you know, it's interesting, like when I talk to guys on this podcast, and for me, like it's also therapeutic because like I am just witnessing another individual sharing their story and being a male body, it's like it just helps me, you know, it's like, I'm like, yeah, see this. I'm not the only one out there. There's so many other men that are doing this work. Right. Um, the thing that, one of the things that comes to my mind right now is for yourself, like, do you meditate? Oh, I, I, I knew you were going to ask this because I had listened to a couple episodes of your podcast. And, oh <laughs> gosh, I, I don't, I've, I, I, I've, I've meditated, especially when I was going through this last relationship. That was for the EMDR. Um, it was sort of homework for EMDR, right? Mm. Uh, but it is not a consistent practice. Okay. Uh, it's one that I wish I could. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's one of the modalities that I just, I, I have a massive difficulty shutting my brain off and focusing Mm. And that that's where the writing becomes such an outlet for me. That's nice. where the writing becomes an outlet for me, right? I, I can sit in silence. I could sit in quiet. Um, uh, but to actually like really just sit and focus, mm. that that has always, always been my, uh, my greatest weakness. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. And it's always, it's, it's always good to analyze, right? So it's like to ask the question, what part of me is so resistant to sitting with myself? right? Yeah. And then like, I I don't even think it's a resistance to sitting with myself. I think it's just, um, gosh, 
So I have a, I have a really good friend that, that had joined this men's group mm. for the kickstart of January. Mm. And, uh, and he had asked me if I would join. And I had, well, as soon as I listened to the expectations, I was like, look, like this sounds, this program sounds amazing. I get it. Uh, you know, but moment of integrity here, right? Like I, that is not something I want to commit to right now. Mm. And uh, so I think for me, it's a, it, it's a deficit that I want to turn into uh, a strength. Mm. I also give myself so much grace, mm. realizing there's a lot going on, right? So I'm, I'm launching this business. Uh, I'm in meetings for website development. I'm meeting with my editor for my, for my manuscript, right? Mm. Um, managing all, you know, my Instagram, which I just launched in, in December, right? Mm. So it's sort of a baby step into social media for me, which prior to I had no connection with whatsoever my editor was just like you're crazy <laughs> like you have to do this yeah. um crossfitting 45 days a week uh raising two kids as a single dad and one of them special needs mm. full-time career on top of all that other stuff yeah. um uh, in sales and marketing right mm. and and I'm also a full-time college student uh pursuing mass- my my master's in, in counseling right so mm. when I look at all of those things um you mentioned a bath yesterday. I took one and totally passed out in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is sort of uh, how I choose to meditate in this season of life mm-hmm. where I know that there's too much sensory, there's too much thought, so I need to shut down the mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't need to necessarily sit there um, and do it, but I know when I've hit that threshold mm-hmm. what my rituals are. So it'll either be sitting and journaling, mm-hmm. taking a bath with some salts and oils and yeah. listening you know, to, to um, either Reiki music, mm-hmm. uh, going to get a, a massage, right? Or doing Reiki therapy or just burning a candle and mm-hmm. connecting with that scent, right? And getting triggered by that scent. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all of those things, but yeah, yeah that is, no, you that got, is down a gap right now. It sounds like you really have the good rituals already that you're doing, right? So it's like the fact that you're also still doing all those things, it's amazing. For how important do you think it is like this concept of self-love? Because it seems like it's a very foreign concept for the people, most people, you know, even for myself, it was a foreign concept for a long time until I started to realize that, like, how could I, you know, like, I want this divine queen, you know, that loves me and cherishes me and it's all there. And then I got to a point where I was like, do I love myself the way I want that woman to love me? And the answer was absolutely no. It was absolutely no. I was not loving myself the way I wanted to be loved by this divine queen that I'm manifesting into my life, right? And I've been blessed to uh, just have an amazing woman in my life, all my life, really. Uh, I was always a a flirt in a way you could say, right? Um, But the level and the caliber of the woman that I've continued to manifest into my life has just got higher and higher from, you know, meeting in my 20s, somebody that drinks and smokes to now, you know, talking to lawyers and surgeons and business owners. And, you know, just like that's a kind of gives you like a, the work, right. But self-love and how important is it? I'm curious to hear your thoughts because of what I just shared, because I found out that I was looking for a love outside that I was not even given myself yet. Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I want to take a step back before I answer that question, okay. uh, because it's rooted in the, hey, you know, are guys allowed to cry? And, and when is it too much? Mm. Um, we we all have 
uh, a yin, yin and yang is masculine and feminine energy. Yes. We all have that inside of ourselves. Mm. So that queen that you want to, to um, uh, manifest. You know, manifest, thank you. Yeah. First, first cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, that's already in us. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where the idea that everything we have already exists inside gets a little confusing sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we're so attached to the external and God knows I fall for it myself. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's great to know that I could give it to myself, but I want to huddle up against something that's not a pillow. Right. Yeah, exactly. So we all long for, and especially I'm, I'm, I'm physical touch uh, mm-hmm. as one of my love languages. Right. Yeah. So we all long for the external. Mm. Uh, and that's okay it's is it, it's not okay when the external becomes more important than the internal mm. it's not okay when the external starts taking away from the internal mm. it's not okay when the external becomes that false idol right where we neglect ourselves where we stop meditating every day and journaling in our multiple journals right because mm. we just don't have time because we'd rather go you know netflix and chill with our queen because mm. if we're not there on time she's going to be really upset right and mm. so i'll just journal tomorrow yeah that's that's not okay right so one recognize that uh that energy is already inside of you mm. and, and two um that i think is my answer to how important self-love is massively it's everything it's mm. everything i i wrote yesterday our capacity to love others is only as good as our capacity to love ourselves mm-hmm. and I think that's the answer. Yes. You know, I think it's super important. Like the realization, it took me a long time to realize that I'm already in a relationship with myself. So it's like, I'm already in a relationship. I got my authentic self. I got the ego and I got my inner child. And then plus I got all these sub personalities that are running the show and I'm not even there. So realistically, I'm already in like this big orgy, you know, right. And the the realization of that has been super, super important. And at the same time, the understanding of that masculine and feminine energies are, you know, something I talk about a lot that it's like, we have both of them in us. And for me in the last six months or so where like, I take my own feminine on dates, you know, bats and rose water, different aphrodisiacs. And like I say, like orgy, right? It's happening, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, and yeah. I think that is so important that it's something like I feel like I, there should be like a course, like a self-love course, because there, uh, actually a female friend of mine, we were going to collaborate on something like that. But it's so important. Like self-love is super important because and if, and it's also, once again, self-love is like a superpower in the sense of like, if I want that amazing queen, well, guess what? Treat yourself like you want to be treated by that amazing queen. And guess what? As you start to treat yourself like that, build boundaries and have expectations and, you know, guess what? Those energies come into your life, right? Naturally, they start to show up. And then I'm like in a position where I'm like, ah, no, I, I kind of want to continue and keep this orgy with myself because like you know i i need like a very high caliber type of queen in my life so yeah it's so so important like this self-love concept and i feel like more men more women should be talking about it and sharing it because it's literally the foundation it's like the seed right you you plant the seed of self-love you know self-worth confidence within yourself guess what that seed is going to continue to grow and that seed will attract those type of seeds in your life and those type of energies and everything like that right so yeah, I just want to say, like, I have loved our conversation. Like, it is one of my favorite conversations I've had in a while. And 
I love to see other men that are doing this work that are, you know, taking charge of their life. Really, you know, this is the foundation. Uh, you can have all the money in the world. I have friends that make millions of dollars and they call me and they're fully depressed, right? So it's like, I'm very well, I'm very grateful to have found at a young age that money is not everything. And I feel like, because I meet 60 year olds that are still chasing money or women and I'm like crazy. I'm like, okay, that's interesting because like 31 years old and I'm like here where you're still there. And it's like, so I'm very grateful for that, right? Um, any thoughts, anything that you want to share? Because I'm very good at asking questions and really kind of navigating the interview. But I'm always curious to like, just kind of give the mic to someone and say like any thoughts, anything that you want to share uh, as even from our conversation, just anything that your heart feels called to share right now. Yeah, I definitely want to expand on the self-love piece, right? Because that's one of my themes that I love to write on as well. Yeah. And I love the, the, the rituals that, that you had added, right? Taking yourself on that date, right? Mm. Before taking the bath, right? Grabbing the flowers. Um, you don't hear that from another man. Mm. And I will often, when someone comes out of a relationship, right? M most of the time, the knee-jerk reaction is to replace that character with yeah. another character, right? Mm. Because that soothes the pain. Um, and I think sometimes that happens in childhood, right? Like a toy goes missing, parent immediately runs to the store, buys a replacement toy, mm. right? So we're taught that, that if something that we once loved is now no longer, we need to now replace it with something else, right? Mm. I lost the stuffed animal, I now have the blanket, right? I lost the favorite cookie, but mom got me ice cream, right? Mm. And um, so where does that come from, right? That's that trauma work. Mm. Um, and yeah, the self-love piece, like, we we must love ourselves first mm. you know, don't 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 fall to, to the to the idea of being a hopeless romantic mm. become a hopeful romantic yeah and romanticize yourself mm. take yourself on that date you don't have anyone to take you out on a friday saturday sunday night get, get a haircut go get dressed right get your hair makeup nails done look amazing mm. and go out Yes. You're not going to attract something sitting at home, swiping left or swiping right. And if you yes. are, I guarantee you, it's not the type of individual you're going to want. You're probably not going to match your frequency unless yours is very suppressed. And the longer you sit in front of that phone, the more you're going to suppress your frequency. Yeah. Right? So just because something bad happened to you doesn't mean you can't find ways to, to give to yourself. I often will tell others, stop giving the love away to that person who's no longer here. Start putting that love back inside. Yes. If you could love yourself as much as you love this person, it would be such a different experience for you. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that is so paramount to not just healing our wounds, mm. to, but to having the courage to look at those wounds and those scars. Mm. If we don't have self-love, we often struggle with forgiveness. Mm. If we don't have self-love, we often struggle with abandonment and rejection. If we don't have self-love, we probably don't have any boundaries. And so yes. what we tolerate in relationships will only compound and get worse. And then we'll find ourselves in those unhealthy relationships, replaying that pattern because we don't know what deal breakers are. We don't know what boundaries are because mm. I just want to make sure my partner's happy. They're happy. I'm happy. Mm. But your partner's here. Yeah. Right. 
and it's with spirit and creator and universe itself and yeah. how do you bring those energies together to be more harmonious when they are harmonious and singing a symphony then you're going to attract her queen and she's going to want to sit front row of that auditorium every single day exactly you know it's interesting like i can literally remember like first of all everything you just shared was very well said like it was coming from a man who has done his work and he's doing his work and he's he's on this journey so I applaud that and thank you so much for sharing that. And I can clearly remember in these points in my life, the last two, three years, where as I started to love myself more, the caliber of the woman in my life got like just better and better. And I remember last year, okay, I was out of a relationship and one of the most beautiful relationships I've ever been. She introduced me to parts of myself that I had never even was aware of. Uh, I learned a lot from it. I'm still super grateful for her. Actually, it's so interesting. I don't know if you will end up watching this, but like we made this shirt together. Uh, so after that, I started to learn more about self-love. And I clearly remember I took a vacation uh, for two weeks. And I went, I stayed at this place that was like $300 a night for like a week, just like spoiled myself. But before that, I didn't want to go because I wanted to go with this other girl. But then I was like, no, 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 no. Like I need this for me. And I remember prior to booking this place, I was like, I just didn't want to do it. And I remember one day I'm journaling and I'm like, Mohammed, you are going to do this if you win with a girl. But because you're going by yourself and you're choosing to go by yourself, you're not going to book this expensive resort. And it was like, like mic drop for me. Like, so you don't, so you clearly don't love yourself. Like you're willing to do this for her, but you will not do this by yourself. And I did it. I booked the trip. I bought myself a MacBook Pro. Like I spent probably like 10 grand on myself. Right. And just literally a couple of months after that, a couple of weeks after I came back from that trip, things were changing on a level that I'd never seen, you know, like, like just next level, all because I choose myself first that's yeah. it i chose myself first and that was an example that just like one of the most beautiful examples that i can think of that like i start to love myself more and more and more and i started to spoil myself i started to give myself everything and even the thought of that i wasn't that there was a thought in my head that i wasn't like all that stuff was such a healing journey for me because and after that now it's like for me i, I almost want to get it like self-love is important as a tattoo on me like and because it is literally the foundation to you know build a million dollar business have beautiful relationships have beautiful family support community everything at a high top level starts with self-love you know that relationship with ourselves right um yeah that's our foundation right mm -hmm. and how we maintain that it's through self-care yes and how we guard that is through self-worth mm. like and when that. we could align those three then, then everything around us is going to elevate right yes. and, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're going to be flying in a private jet right but you're yeah. going to improve the quality of your life mm. because you're improving the quality of your life exactly and i think you know one of the most important thoughts that i want to share is that through this process of learning to love yourself and compassion, all this stuff, have compassion for yourself. Meaning that 
it might not happen today. It might not look like it today that you loved yourself. Maybe you give into your urges and you texted the wifey and the ex and you drank and you smoked a joint and you watched porn and all the things you told yourself you weren't going to do and you did it. Just have compassion. The fact that you're thinking about growth, the fact that it's on your mind that something is off, you're already ahead of the game. That awareness is already you're ahead of the game. So anyone that's listening to this podcast right now that compassion, love, and kindness towards yourself. Don't be hard yourself. A lot of individuals that do get into this work are highly motivated, you know, individuals, warriors already, you know, aware halfers, I like to call them. So through this process, don't be hard on yourself. One of the acts of self-love is to be patient with your progress. So I just wanted to share that because it's something I learned myself through my own journey that I'm a, like, I'm a highly individuals in my inner circle would say that I have like a Navy SEAL attitude towards life. And it's very true when you look into my habits and the things that are going on in my life, like I do have a Navy SEAL attitude, you know? So learning through the journey when I was crying and going through the stuff, one of the things that helped me a lot was in the, someone in my circle shared was that, hey, just, just like have compassion, like be gentle with yourself. Look, look where you are compared to where you were six months ago or a year ago. So just have love, compassion for yourself while you're in this deep work, right? Um, yeah. Share. Okay. First of all, I just want to say like, this has just been amazing. It's been awesome. Like for me, I'm like, I could, I feel like, you know, like we could probably talk for hours. I you know I maybe get some red wine and you know, <laughs> date, date nights with the brother tonight, you know? So like, I'm super, super grateful for this conversation and just super grateful that I continue to follow my heart when I find these guests onto Instagram and whatever my heart calls to, I message the individual. So I'm so super glad that I messaged you, Paul. Um, as we finish off this podcast, please share, you know, last thoughts and also how could people find you uh, because I'm going to answer your details in the detail section of the podcast. So when people listen to the podcast, they're able to find you and connect with you and you know, work with you, whatever it is. Yeah, I appreciate that. I love that you added that caveat of, of compassion, by the way. So echo that. Um, and yeah, thank you. And, and red wine is my wine of choice. So you're speaking my love language there. <laughs> I, I would love to come back anytime, Mohammed. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for... Thank you for following your heart. And, and I am so grateful that it led the two of us to, to have this wonderful dialogue. Mm. Um, yeah. So thank you. Um, and where can they will find you? Yeah. Uh, so Instagram right now is the best. Uh, so yeah. Instagram handle is love over limerence. Okay. Um, my website should launch in like the next 60 to 90 days. And that's just going to be my first and last name.com. Okay. So paulspinella.com okay. uh, is coming very soon okay. um yeah and then in there will be details on the book uh and other social media resources and other ways to connect and contact me uh and, and schedule introductory calls for coaching um but in the meantime yeah instagram i'm usually pretty pretty active on there uh feel free to dm me with any questions thoughts um happy to provide some perspective uh Awesome. Thank you so much, Paul. And everyone, as you're listening to this podcast, and as I finish it off, my intentions are for you to listen to this podcast and really, really let it sink in. You know, there's once in a while you get to listen to certain things that I believe shouldn't only be entertainment, but it should only be for you to study. 
and look deep within and try to learn something from it. And my intentions are for you to choose yourself over anything that's happening in your life. My intentions are for you to find the power of healing, find the power of self-love, find the power of doing this inner work. And lastly, my intentions are for you to just realize that, you know, you truly can change your life into a better version of yourself through understanding and paying attention to your emotions and to your experiences and to everything that's happening in your life. And lastly, as we finish off until next time, stay an aware alpha.